podcast family, do I have a podcast interview for you. Today we are talking with Chandresh Bardwaj, who is a seventh generation spiritual advisor, speaker, and the author of the best-selling book, Break the Norms, questioning everything you think you know about God and truth, life and death, love and sex. Currently based in LA, Chandresh quit his Wall Street job to launch the nonprofit Break the Norms movement with the intention of awakening the human awareness from its conditioned self. He is a world traveler who frequently speaks about spirituality across the globe from Europe to Asia and the Americas. Chandresh hails from a line of spiritual healers in India that spans over seven generations and his teachings combine ancient wisdom with a modern approach to spirituality. Chandresh is a disciple of his father, His Holiness Sri Chamunda Swami, a universally recognized authority in spiritual healing. Chandresh is revered as a credible teacher of Eastern Tantra traditions. The incredible healing powers of mantra, tantra, and the meditation have long fascinated him. He designed his easy-to-access meditations and lessons to help students realize the truth from within. Spirituality is a borrowed knowledge, says Chandresh. We must meditate to experience our own version of it. Wow, 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 wow. This interview is probably, man, I've had some really amazing interviews lately because I notice I've said this a few times, but this interview has to be one of my top favorite. I've been looking forward to interviewing this incredible man for for months now when I first discovered him on my friend Sahara Rose's podcast. And when I listened to him there, I just fell madly in love with all of his insight, immediately bought his book, immediately read his book, did not sit on my shelf just waiting to be read. I dove into that baby and I loved it. And if you are anything like me and you have a similar story or a similar mindset, this book is going to open and relieve and inspire you to pieces. In this interview today, we talk about so many different topics. We talk about finding a guru, what is a guru. We talk about um, the divine feminine deities and goddesses. We dive into spiritual bling, which you will learn more about in this episode. And we talk about religion and we even go into heaven and hell. It is a true deep dive and one that I'm going to be inspired by for the, the next months to come. So I have an amazing feeling that you're just going to love this episode. And I don't want to take up too much of your time beforehand because I know you're just so excited to dive on in. So we're going to read the review of the week and we will quickly be right there. This one comes from Sherry W13 and she says, wonderful podcast with five stars. I can't even tell you enough how grateful I am for this podcast. I stumbled across this podcast from when you were on another podcast I subscribed to on intuitive eating. I love that you not only talk about intuitive eating, but everything else in life that makes us feel great. And it's not constantly talking about food either. I've been doing intuitive eating a while now and it's so great to heal other parts of my body and brain from all the negativity that I've learned from diet culture. It's so uplifting and you share so many beliefs I do. I download your podcasts and listen to them at work all day long. It makes for a great day. Thank you, Maddie Moon, for all you do, and I hope you find this as helpful as I do. Oh, and I hope others find this as helpful as I do. Between your kind words and soothing voice, it only took an episode and I was hooked. I felt it was destiny finding your podcast. God bless you in everything you do in this podcast. Oh, Sherry, thank you so much. What a sweet, kind, and thoughtful um, review for my show. I am so grateful for that. If you would like to leave your thoughts on the show, you can go head on over to iTunes, hit ratings and reviews, hit write a review, and then leave your thoughts. And if you would like to download a free audiobook, you can go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings and get yourself a free audiobook that you can now listen to on the go, in the car, at the gym, cooking dinner, wherever you are, and get 30 days free of Audible. All right, time to head on over. You're going to love it. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. And we are back here on the Mind Body Musings podcast, and I am so excited to be here with Chandresh. Um, I have been eagerly awaiting this interview for, I guess now it feels like it's been a couple months, um, <laughs> devoured his book, loved his book. I have been recommending his book to many of my clients because it covers the topics that I think are seen as taboo by a lot of people, or they tiptoe around admitting certain things around religion, spirituality, death, sex, tantra, and this book gets into the nitty gritty. And what I love even more about it is that it's from this Eastern perspective and bringing in what we know here in the West and helping us to have a different approach to spirituality that we can still resonate with and relate with, but bringing those Eastern principles to us in a way that feels really connected and really personal. So that's what I think about your book. Um, I love it. And welcome to the podcast, Tandresh. Thank you, Madeline. Thank you for the amazing words uh, that made me feel very good and very encouraging. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so I have a new starting question that I ask all of my guests, and okay. I'm going to ask you it now. Mm -hmm. Right now, in this moment, or I guess like in this this time in your life, what is one of the things you are musing about the most? Oh, I'm musing about the most is um, the human potential. I think even in this moment, or even... Uh, you know, during just these days, I'm really amusing about human potential, you know, especially the craziness that's going on all over the world. There's so much anger, violence coming out, you know, of people. Um, and yet there's always this enormous human potential shifting things, not giving up, not, you know, being bitter and still rising uh, beyond the circumstances and still doing its thing, still spreading its wings. So I think human potential is something I'm meditating and thinking and I'm using a lot these days. Mm. Yeah. So given the the climate, um, the climate of people right now, and like you're saying, all of the stuff that's happening and um, all the tragedies, but then also yeah. all the wonderful things. What in human potential do you want to see happen the most? I want to see more acceptance, more forgiveness, uh, and believe in their own strength. I think these three things um, I would love to see, you know, uh, among everyone. Yeah. Very good question, by the way. Mm. Thank you. And that very good answer. It's beautiful. I was talking with someone recently and I feel like it's it's very similar to what you just said here. If if I could see anything change here alongside acceptance, um, less reactivity. Which I feel exactly. I feel like it's the reactivity that for so many so many of us creates arguments, fights, war, pain, mm -hmm. um, both within ourselves and the ego, which we're going to get into today, but mm -hmm. also within others, because we don't have the, many people don't have the capability to actually see their thoughts and what's happening. They just automatically become them and then rage. Exactly. I think uh, reactions, uh, I always talk about this whole, you know, uh, philosophy between reaction and responses and reactions come from our you know learned responses are uh, fair our ego wanting to be important uh, but if we could 
you know, meditate on these, if we could be brutally honest with our reactions, we could easily shift them into mindful responses. And life starts to get so much better, you know, when we respond to craziness rather than just reacting. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I love it. Okay. So now I would love to go into your, Mm -hmm. you know, your story. You've got a great story. I want to hear it all from your upbringing to when Mm. you were working a Wall Street job and then eventually what led you to doing what you are doing today. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) All right. So you can uh, summarize it if you'd like. Yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll share uh, some some brief highlights that that continues to inspire me even to this day. Uh, so I think yeah, I was you know born in a family of spiritual gurus. Uh, my father is my guru. My father's guru was grandpa. Then grandpa's guru was great grandpa. It goes back to seven generations. Uh, I feel truly blessed to be you know born in this family. Uh, and, you know, every time I share this, people think uh, on day one of my birth, I was not crying, but I was chanting mantras. I was already enlightened and I was ready to save the world. Uh, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> I, I had a very normal uh, childhood. Uh, uh, an interesting thing is my father never ever told me that you got to meditate that's what we do we are spiritual healers uh, that was that conversation never happened uh, it i started meditating because i just loved uh, the strength my parents always you know radiated and their strength inspired me to go deeper into my meditation practice and my you know when i was a kid i i clearly saw that my father you know, he's a special man people come to him to seek guidance a lot of powerful people come come and see him um so and he's a very simple man um and i clearly saw he's not fancy like others he's not dressed up like them he's different um and then i would see him meditating every day and i didn't realize at that time he was leading me by example not telling me to meditate not forcing forcing it on me but really doing it uh and i was clearly being inspired by his his life, by his strength, by his energy. And those were my beginning memories of simply meditating because I started seeing that around me and I started seeing and experiencing a very powerful shift in my confidence, my uh, strength, my energy. Uh, and I, you know, I became very obsessed with opening my third eye, uh, learning more about the, the deities in uh, Indian spirituality, Shiva and Goddess Kali. And my parents had to calm me down because my school teachers would complain that Chandresh doesn't bring the school books, but he brings the books on Tantra and uh, Shiva and Kali. And that's not the book we want to see in, in, in a school bag of a fourth year, you know, fourth uh, grade. I was that young. But I was supremely obsessed with all these things. And as I grew up, I became even more obsessed. Uh, but, you know, as a teenager, you take pride in your anger, in all the things you're doing. And I took pride in all these obsessions and even in my anger, my hyperness as a, as a teenager. Uh, but during those days, things started shifting. I, I lost my sister when I was around 16. Um, and, you know, when she passed, she was three years older than me. And that was my first experience of understanding uh, pain, death, and I also questioned the entire existence of God, entire existence of, uh, you know, this whole race about success being important and all. Um, and I didn't realize at that time, but something shifted in me. Uh, I, I, my search, my, my, my childhood experience in meditation were fun, were completely joy. Uh, I loved every adventure of it. Uh, but after her death, my adventures became a lot more deeper. And I I started really this search if divinity exists or not. And if it exists, I want to experience it within me, not anywhere else out. Uh, And life moved on. Uh, I finished my high school in India, moved to New York because my father was practicing in New York uh, at that time. That's where he still practices. And I went to business school, not because I wanted to study business really, but uh, the only choices I, I thought I had was joining uh, medical science, engineering, or uh, business. Business being the least 
preferred option by everyone around me. Uh, but that was the only thing I thought I can do right now. So I went for business school and that's where I started experiencing a lot of unhappiness in the finance industry. I was working with a CPA, then in a wealth management you know, firm. And I grew unhappy every day as I was in that environment. Uh, so that unhappiness again inspired me to go deeper within. Uh, and there was a day when I was so frustrated, so unhappy, and I, I was questioning myself, why the heck I'm doing this? Do I need to do this? And uh, the truth was, you know, I just didn't have enough courage or enough gratitude for my own gifts. And when I started meditating on that courage within, when I started to count my blessings, count my strength, that's when I made the decision that this is it. I'm not going to be in this jungle anymore. That's not my jungle. It's it's a different jungle that I belong to. Um, and that's when I I finally quit finance industry. So the, between uh, the childhood meditations to quitting the finance industry, life was completely a roller coaster. Uh, and after I started uh, this whole journey of being being a teacher or guide or whatever people call me now, it's been 10 years now. And the last 10 years have been extremely rewarding, challenging, uh, very eye opening and mind boggling at the same time. Yeah. So in brief, that's that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm sitting over here taking all these notes. <laughs> I thought I had my set questions for you, but I have so many more now. Um, okay, so the first thing I want to go back to um, your first off, I find it just so um, inspiring and fascinating that your father is your guru. Because yeah. when I think about over here, this Western mentality of father, son, daughters, like there's just so much rebellion. And I think yeah. of a lot, a lot of the rebellion comes from the force, the force that the parents mm -hmm. put on their children to do things correctly, do things right, have the reputation that they worked so hard to create. And a lot of it is because they either one are wanting their children to fulfill their dreams or fulfill mm -hmm. a part of you know their ego so to say and their identity as being a parent or trying to keep them safe so it's just you follow these rules you are safe so right. what are your thoughts on why parents are are forceful on their children and what are what are your insights for for parents listening to this because obviously you felt called by watching your your father by example mm -hmm. you know uh, i mean i I clearly saw Madeline that the the parents in India and Asian culture are probably even more forcing or probably more demanding oh. of their kids, um, and oh. it's uh, yeah, it's it's a lot stronger than at least twenty times stronger than the Western culture. <laughs> Uh, and and all my friends went for medical science or engineering because that's what the parents wanted them to do. That's not what my friends wanted to study. And when I shared uh, with my family that I want to go into business line to study finance and accounting, uh, my parents were cool and they were they they they've always given me a lot of. And I'm I'm glad I I realized the responsibility that came with. Uh, and also, thank thankfully, my father, he's a spiritual teacher, and he always uh, knew how unconventional or how strongly rebellious I am deeply within. Uh, and he actually used to tell my friends, my mom and everyone around me that never ever force Chandraesh to do something. If you force something on him, he's going to make sure that he goes for it. And even when I complained to him that, you know, you know, uh, my journey, why didn't you tell me uh, at that time, don't go in finance, do this. Uh, he said, if I tell you, you wouldn't have gone this organically. I want your failure and success to happen very organically. It has to be your experience. I don't want your life or spirituality to be a borrowed knowledge from me. It has to be your own cultivation. Uh, but that's not how. You know, I know even Indian parents. Or now, now that I know, I'm working here for years. I, I see there is a lot of expectation and demands from the parents, and so much of that comes from their own failures, their own disappointments in life, and they just want to keep the kids safe. They want to keep their children protected, and sometimes uh, it's a lot of possessiveness or need to control their children also. Uh, and you know, the only advice I could 
give to all the parents is don't try to teach your children anything learn from them learn their dreams learn their hopes learn their uh, disappointments learn their fears and just learn and share uh, you know about these disappointments because the only thing we know is that we know nothing so while you are probably thinking that i know this model i know this template i want to give it to my child uh, the truth is no one knows any safe template that doesn't exist so if you could simply learn the dreams and hopes and disappointments of your child you both can probably create something very powerful something very creative and spontaneous for both of you i mean i know parents who were disappointed in their life that they couldn't become a cpa or a lawyer or an artist and then they force that on the children and children become a very poor replica of their own parents and they you know live that complete life in fear uh, in 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 insecurity so the first seed is the parents they have to understand um, that there is no fixed model out there no one knows anything we are all trying we are all just experimenting so help your child in that experiment because not only your child will bloom but you'll also gain so much insight about your own strength and it's never too late to start that Oh, that all just made me feel so melty, like yeah. so good just hearing that. I, I just love, I love what you were saying about the ex- like find out, find out who your child is and their dreams and their fears and listen mm-hmm. to them because we don't know anything and it's yeah. so powerful and, and I, th- I know for a fact that's what I always craved as a child was to mm-hmm. is was to be heard for me being me rather than feeling like my family predetermined who I was and then the rest exactly. of my life was to fit into that exactly oh man I love this okay I want to talk about um spiritual misconceptions one mm. of them in particular and we can start here was you wrote so much about um, spiritual bling and veganism and these ideas of all the things we need to be if we're going to be spiritual. And mm-hmm. one one thing in particular that really s- struck out to me was that mm-hmm. you wrote about how in India, um, you have prayer beads inside of a small private bag and you touch them without anyone seeing it or knowing it because it is an internal thing it's between you and the divine like you were saying there was that Mm -hmm. moment in your life where you said i no longer want to feel my strongest connection with the divine outwardly i want it to be inwardly and Mm -hmm. somewhere along the way over here spirituality has become very fashionable and i am raising my hand that i absolutely am on board with that sometimes i mean not on board as in like pro yes i want that but on board as in i accidentally do this all the time i see women walking around like who do kundalini with their beautiful white like Mm -hmm. headgear and i'm like oh i want to wear that everyone will look at me like i look at them and it'll be so cool and i got my mala beads and like all of this stuff and and bling as you put it so i just wanted to pass that over to you for you to share a little bit about your thoughts yeah. on that you know before i share anything i want you to know you are one of the most real spiritual humans that i came across and that's why we are having this conversation because i love your real and raw energy madeline so never ever mm-hmm. feel you are part of that crowd i don't i don't feel you are you are very real you are you so always you know know that wow, uh, <laughs> and uh, and this whole spiritual bling that you talk it's it's i think personally i find it a very interesting subject to learn because growing up in india then coming to us uh, you know staying in i stayed in new york for almost uh, 8 9 years and then now i'm in la for last 5 years or so um, and i've i travel very frequently and spirituality has become very fashionable uh, and there are a lot of people i mean a lot of young people i know including my own cousins they they tell me that when they meditate why why don't they look like that girl or boy in a yoga magazine who looks so perfect so good looking while meditating but when we are meditating you know saliva is coming from our mouth we are tilting on the left and right and by <laughs> yeah. the time you open our eyes it's all so so messy and i mean i was part of that i i admit when i started to meditate i was fascinated by how indian gurus look and behave and how powerful they are including my own father uh, 
so there's always this attraction and fascination but uh, while the attraction is there while this fascination is there we also have to realize that it's a journey inward it has nothing to do with the outward and I'll, I'll share this on your podcast i have been vegan for 18 years um, but i've never ever told anyone to go vegan or because that's the only way uh, my motivation was my own personal experiences right but i don't want to make it a criteria that if you are not vegan you cannot be spiritual uh, because i have i have i know vegan people uh, who so many of them may not even be closest to what we call mindful or spiritual and i know non vegan people who who eat all the stuff out there but they could be the most loving and compassionate people so that's not a category i advocate that you have to just check these things and then you are spiritual and i think um uh i use this word very often that there's a lot of pda now the public display of awareness we all want to show of how aware we are how mindful we are and that pda is leading us to uh, a very interesting shallowness uh, the spiritual shallowness is even more scary because spirituality is one path which 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 is supposed to release you from all the shallowness from all the conditioning and and fear and insecurities we are putting us on um, but sadly we are using the same spirituality to become a different kind of shallow uh, to show off a different kind of personality which may not exist in reality and i tell everyone that the spiritual circus is one of its own kind of circus and when my friends uh, start a spiritual business uh, i warn them already that you are going to come across the worst craziness you have ever came across in your life and in 6 months they they feel drained angry disappointed because they all have a certain projection or or expectation that spiritual people might be at least mindful and not angry uh, and i i'll tell you one thing why this is happening madeline and at least in my opinion when we keep gaining information without any experience it's going to be chaotic so what's happening now there is 100 times more information available through online stuff videos books and you know even the podcast right the information is available everywhere you don't even have to pay anything to absorb and learn that information and a lot of people are absorbing the information but making no effort to have it as an experience also there is so much ego about not having the need for a guru um and i think guru or or a spiritual mentor is so important in this journey you need a spiritual guru to constantly puncture your ego and still remain your best buddy in this journey uh, if you keep learning information if you keep becoming more intelligent spiritually uh, and not have any real experience of your consciousness or compassion it's going to be chaotic it's going to be a, a spiritual circus that you will not be able to control and i witness these cases literally every day um yeah so we need to get off the the blink train and get on the inner journey the inner path which is just love consciousness vulnerability and rawness mm, yes oh my gosh another thing that you had mentioned in the book was about challenging yourself to let go of all these things that you cling on to as your spiritual bling and see how do you feel without them and mm-hmm. that's something i've absolutely been putting into my own life is what tools do i like to have in my life that make me feel more spiritual and how can i go even deeper inward during that time without those things and um i know also like you were saying with meditation being like there's drool coming out of our mouths your head is like like you're hunched <laughs> all the way over like i am not upright i am like sometimes i'm curved my body is curved all the way till like my face is parallel to the ground cuz i'm so hunched over <laughs> and i'll make noises like it's a mess exactly. and it feels exactly. so freaking good um okay <laughs> guru what is the difference between a guru and let's say like a coach or a teacher um i'm i'm really fascinated by by guru and i and i think about how many times people may introduce someone on a podcast and say like oh today we're talking to the health and wellness guru blah 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 and like that's 
That's not what a guru is. A guru is, is something much, much more than that. So I would love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on it. So, you know, in Eastern wisdom traditions, um, they they do not associate a teacher or a coach or a mentor or guide to the guru. Guru is put very separately from all the other categories. The literal meaning of guru in Sanskrit is the one who eliminates darkness or the one who shows you light, the one who cultivates light in you. Um, and the, the purpose of guru in Eastern traditions is to basically uh, help you awaken that inner strength in you. What you cannot see, what you cannot imagine in you, the guru has already seen that in you. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take example of a seed. You know, if, if, you, are, if you do gardening uh, and when you look at the seed... And if I if I don't know gardening, I'll probably think nothing about that seed. You know, the seed looks ugly. It's so small. It, it can be damaged even by a wind. And I probably have no hopes from the seed. Uh, but that gardener who's who's familiar with the potential of seed, he'll know that when I put the seed in the soil, I put the right ingredients. I take care of it in the most amazing caring way this tree the seed can grow to a giant tree and live for next hundred years because the gardener knows the potential of the seed while other people may see it as nothing but that you know tiny piece uh, of which is not even good looking Uh, and that's exactly what a guru does guru already knows that your potential guru already knows that you are this perfect seed you are this perfect lotus in the mud and by right guidance by right awareness and by putting you into the right challenges you will grow into a buddha consciousness you will grow into a powerful being and the right guru makes you spiritually independent the right guru does not make you depend on him or her they make you spiritually independent in fact there's one uh, mantra uh, from buddhist traditions it's, it says apo diva bhava which means be your own light and that's pretty much the job of every right guru that they help you become your own light uh, a lot of people think guru means just you know being a part of cult or becoming blind followers uh, for someone but that's not what the right guru does i mean i have my guru you know, in my home, but he never ever gave me a, a, a ready-made answer on the plate. Uh, he made me look for the answer. He still never gives me the direct answer. He makes me go through it. He makes me, uh, you know, realize my own answer. And in that process, he has made me so much closer to my intuition, my own consciousness. Um, and you really have to uh, practice surrenderness, humbleness, and to become this receptive to the grace of Guru. Uh, uh, and one thing I'll share about receiving the grace of Guru is that the, this grace d- is not cheap. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the discipline because it's part of this Guru lineage that you put your energy, your time um uh, in the right students who really are willing to dive deeper. Um, and your other question was about what, what's the difference between the coaches, teachers, uh, and gurus. Uh, the teacher and coaches uh, or the mentors or guides, they they guide you from learning, from, uh, no, from books, from information that they have learned. But guru strictly teaches you from his inner experience. And Guru strictly teaches you from within the awareness. And Guru Gurus are able to witness your future. They are able to witness your potential, what you could become, while nobody else can see that. Uh, and it's an experience that that, that that's something you, you got to live in this life, to study under the right Guru and to really surrender and let go of everything. So if I wanted to have a relationship with a guru, like, I mean, I really, I find this to be so beautiful and fascinating, and I can't even imagine the kind of learning that would happen from a soul like that. Um, Do I need to move to India for a period of time? Where do you find gurus? You know, um, 
one thing I always say, never ever browse for a guru, never ever shop for a guru, mm-hmm. because you may end up finding someone who fits your ego so perfectly. Uh, because, you know, how do we uh, find our, fr- how do we choose our friends, our partners, or the car we drive or the house we live in, we want to get the things which make us feel good, right? We never ever go for a partner which, you know, makes us feel horrible. Uh, We want to possess things or have things which make us feel great and good. And uh, we use the same mentality when it comes to choosing the gurus. We end up choosing the gurus who make us feel amazing about who we are. And the moment that guru is not, you know, nodding his head uh, to w- what you are thinking. We start to feel, oh, uh, we are not aligning anymore. We are not the same anymore. But the truth is, uh, the right guru will put you in a discomforting, you know, state of mind because that's the only way to get rid of your conditioning. Uh, so right, and the right meditation experiences are also a little uncomfortable ones but they're the right ones to cultivate your strength Um, so to find a guru keep meditating keep staying receptive uh, stay humble stay compassionate because when the student is fully ready to receive the guru will appear and believe me it's it's such a cliche statement but it's it that's exactly how it works because if we make the effort we might end up uh, at a wrong place Oh, that's such good insight. And I've had this as something that ever since I read your book, I keep bringing it up, but ever since I read it, I have had this um, not something that I'm constantly saying or thinking about or revolving around, but just saying like, I'm so open to this happening in my life. And the first step for me is my my two a day, 20 minute Vedic meditation and being Mm -hmm. consistent with it and devout to it. And I know there's lots of work to do in my life. And if that is meant to happen, then then that will happen. But I also have one follow up question. Mm -hmm. Are gurus self-proclaimed like are they going to be like hi i'm i am a guru like do they say that they are a guru or is it through people saying he is he is a guru you know uh, so if someone is sleeping and you ask them are you sleeping and if they say yes they're not sleeping right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if you ask someone are you a guru uh, and they say oh, of course i am the guru and that's that's a clear answer they're probably not they're not self-proclaimed um, unless you come across someone, you know, as powerful as Shiva or Buddha, uh, but mm-hmm. even they they have never ever mentioned that I am the guru. I am this this powerful spiritual guide. Uh, their presence reflects they are a guru. So no one, at least in my experience, uh, I have never ever seen any guru saying that I am the guru. Um, because uh, even as a child, when I I used to see my father delivering public lectures or you know coming to TV shows, his first statement has always been that I am the most ignorant student of spirituality. So forgive me if I say something which is not right spiritually. And as a child, I used to think, oh, probably he doesn't know much. That's why he keeps saying this. And as mm-hmm. as I grew up, I realized, my goodness, he's he's really the most powerful and amazing enlightened guru that I have experienced in my life and um, it's and I asked him why do you use this statement and he said because I want to stay super humble I want to constantly be in this humbleness because this this field of spirituality uh, it could easily trigger your ego you know people are calling you guru god and putting you on pedestal it can really ruin the humbleness within so you got to constantly practice certain rituals to stay humble to stay in in that acceptance that the only thing i know is i know nothing so a real guru is supremely humble and relaxed and and joyful within mm. oh beautiful yes okay another topic i want to speak to you about which is pretty intense but i want to speak with you about <laughs> Um, religion, heaven, and mm. hell. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go to the depths of it, but I am very interested to hear what you have to say about um, 
it's really just as broad as that, just like heaven and hell. <laughs> I don't really know my specific question, but <laughs> I come from a, a little background. I come from a, a Christian upbringing, a Baptist. Mm-hmm. I am not Christian anymore. I'm not Baptist. Mm-hmm. I'm spiritual. I'm connected to the divine in all things, and it feels really good. And with mm-hmm. that said, there's also the 21 years of having you must be saved in order to go to heaven otherwise you are going to hell um stuff that's deep in my subconscious and i've worked through a lot of it over the past few years but i'm curious on your thoughts on did do you think that somewhere we misinterpreted things about hell and it turned into this whole if you're not 100% saved through this one pathway, then you are going to burn forever. Do you feel that that is something that's been very humanly made? We made that assumption and it's just completely false? Yeah, it's absolutely humanly made. Uh, but also we have to see why it was made to begin with. Uh, because if we always is try to motivate people through fear you know mm-hmm. our parents used to tell us oh don't go out in the night there might be a ghost who will you know just take you away uh don't do that it, it's probably going to kill you and i mean there's always fear that's you know how people are trying to motivate uh, each other uh, we spend 20 minutes on tv and watch the ads and you'll see all the insurance companies and so many brands are trying to put fear in you so that you can buy their product Fear has always been a, a prime motivational force for for right and wrong reasons, you know. Um, and I truly see not even in Christianity, even in Hinduism and lots of religions, the fear is such a huge factor. How they try to recruit people, how they try to influence people of, of for staying uh, peaceful or 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 trying to just control them. So it's obviously a very man-made thing this whole hell and heaven uh but i'll also tell you one one interesting thing if you constantly believe that i'm going to burn in hell if i uh, if i do something wrong or i'm going to be experiencing heaven your consciousness is going to project something similar after you die Uh, and it's a very very much projection of your own consciousness but if you believe that hell is when i'm not living consciously or living in awareness and heaven is when i'm constantly living and loving through awareness then your consciousness is going to cultivate that aware experience after you leave the body and i truly feel religion was probably not created with the wrong intention probably the intention was to keep people disciplined keep people um in right awareness and teach them how to be enlightened and and stay happy you know stay in a happy way but it it went wrong because humans you know uh, we we tend to control things we want to possess everything and then there's this po- politics of you know which one which religion is the best religion um and the ego that comes in uh, you know for the in the ones who are taking care of these religions uh i i went to catholic school by the way for 12 years in india and mm-hmm. uh yeah my morning meditation used to be in church uh and i also you know i was growing up in a hindu family so i was also going to various temples and my father, he's a very open-minded teacher, and he sent me to even Buddhist monasteries, Sikh temples in India, the mo- the uh, popular and ancient mosque in India. So I grew up with a very open uh, open-mindedness about religion and God, and I never ever thought there's, uh, you know, Hindu God is different from a Muslim God or 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 Christ. Uh, for me, it was all a very one harmonic experience but having said that uh i it takes a lot to you know make me angry but the last time i was angry was in a very one of the most popular ancient temple in india and religion makes me angry i got i uh, if if you pick 10 times i was angry or i got into a, s- a serious argument with someone uh six out of 10 times it was uh in a in a very ancient, powerful temple where I end up being really pissed off with how they are trying to control people through fear. Uh, and it happened this year, uh, twice actually. One was in a in a Shiva temple in, in Varanasi. It's called the holiest city in India. And the other one uh, was in a Buddhist monastery where I clearly saw they were 
controlling people being angry and rude with them and people are traveling from all over the world and they were disrespecting women by you know just not giving them the space and freedom to meditate there to stand there and when i saw the things were getting really rude i i couldn't control and it got really messy um and i i i think about i you know after this episode was over i was like i don't get angry at all now i mean months go by and i'm not angry but why when i'm in such a place among these priests these self proclaimed priests who are you know uh, declaring that we are the caretakers of a religion why these people make me angry because uh, they radiate this energy of control they radiate this energy of um, possessing people around them that you know we we are the we are the monopoly we are we want to control your experience of god and i think that's where religion goes wrong i mean i'm a person and you are also the same way we we trust our inner experiences but imagine someone who's just religious and who goes into a place like this and they see the priest controlling and and trying to or just abusing or exploiting people they'll be turned off they'll they'll become angry toward religion forever but the fault is in the people who are pretending that they are the caretakers you know be it church temple mosque i mean i constantly see these so called spiritual leaders clearly abusing and exploiting the position they have and i think they are the ones who are constantly installing fear in everyone and attracting people who are into blind faith and pissing off people who want to truly experience something something real within mm. so it sounds to me like there is a certain point each individual soul who if they are yeah. in this religious space and they're realizing that there's a lot of fear in their life and they're afraid a lot more than they are finding themselves in love it becomes an individual decision that they have to make to back out and to mm -hmm. get out of that because otherwise that fear i mean fear is strong fear is palpable absolutely. it can keep you in these spaces and you might not even realize it absolutely yeah mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much to think about cuz i remember like i remember when i was first really waking up to oh the amount of fear i had been living in i mean i have yeah. memories of being um eight seven and like waking up every day being like i wonder if today is the last day i'm going to be on earth because the rapture is going to happen it's going to take everyone including my family and i'm going to be left all by myself so i need to make sure that i am christian so that if that happens i am taken up too otherwise i'm going to be abandoned and left and and i'm going to burn and i just uh, well, it yeah. was it was constantly and and i know that the church and my family they were not they couldn't be in my body and in my mind and know what was happening but i mean that's obviously why i turned now i can see to eating disorders and control mechanisms because i had so much exactly. fear that it was eating me up eating me up like that was that was so strong that i had to find ways to feel in control because i couldn't control whether or not i actually exactly. felt like i had god's love Mhm mm mhm mm but I'm glad you even though you went through such uneasiness but you arrived at your own experience of what divinity and awareness truly is um and that's how we all need to dig deeper Yeah and, it, and that's why I think it's so important to stress this this um this knowing that it is a personal decision to some extent you have to at least start there and say I am no longer going to be in this community or go to this thing or i'm going to set boundaries around the people who tell me their beliefs based off of fear like you have to you have to make that decision for yourself you can't keep mm -hmm. being at the mercy of your family's beliefs if it no longer serves you now if it does serve mm -hmm. you cuz i know i do have religious followers and listeners to this show and mm -hmm. if it does serve you obviously you're being filled by love and that's mm -hmm. that is what we're both trying to say here is that in whether you find it through religion or spirituality if you are finding faith and you are creating um consciousness for yourself and it feels like love and it's connected and you have the divine within you you're arriving to the same point that we are trying mm -hmm. to share here and also i would i would like to add one mantra that i truly meditate on every day and that mantra sailed me through my childhood and it continues to help me and that's to uh consciously disobey to <laughs> to 
authorities, people around you. And I use the word consciously because you have to disobey with awareness, not just for the heck of it. Um, because maybe your guru is telling you to meditate for, you know, four hours and that's great thing to do, but because you're lazy and you're like, you know what, Chandresh told me to disobey. So I'm going to disobey that you are telling me to meditate for four hours. That's not what I'm, I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting to consciously disobey what's not honoring your awareness, what's not feeding your soul. So when you start to disobey consciously, you start to cultivate a very strong courage and you start to cultivate your own experiences of what's right and wrong. And that's a magical shift. That's when you start to become your own guide, become your own guru. And, uh, but you've got to start somewhere. So uh, do something this week uh, where you can just consciously and respectfully disobey what's not feeding your soul. And I think that's going to be powerful. Oh, yes, I am so on board for that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to choose wisely here because I have I have Tantra, something I'm really curious to hear from you about. But um, I'm also very curious about um, your favorite feminine goddesses and how they speak to you and what lessons that you have learned from um, the goddesses that have, or deities, I guess, who have really... Um, struck a chord in your life so i'm gonna let you choose which one is the most interesting to you right now that you want to speak on uh, i mean uh, since my childhood I've, I've been meditating on goddess kali um she has been my prime goddess for meditation although i i visit other goddess shrines in india and i i stay familiar with energy of few others but goddess kali uh is my muse you know she's the one who who constantly is in my heart, in my work, in my energy all the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Why, why, why? I'm so excited. It's <laughs> great. So, uh, because I feel goddess Kali, you know, when you use the word goddess, you will probably think of something too, too tender, too feminine, uh, essential, playful, spiritual, wise energy. Uh, but when you come across the, the energy of goddess Kali, she's raw, fierce, strong, aggressive at times, intense at times, but also very motherly, very soft, very receptive at times. And she represents what we truly are supposed to be. We are not supposed to be super positive all the time. We are not supposed to be uh, super compassionate all the time. We are supposed to experience what's you know, emerging within us, where I need to be strong, I need to bring out my strength, where I need to be receptive and compassionate, I need to bring that out within me. So for me, Goddess Kali was this experience of really living all the seasons in my life, you know, embracing the sadness, the anger, the strength, the fierceness, the rawness. And when you Google Goddess Kali, you probably see only one or, or mostly one form, which is very aggressive and she's in intense energy with blood around her or she's just in a very fierce mode you know uh, but that's one of the many forms of her uh, these goddesses don't really have to look like what you see on google when you start to meditate on them you start to experience very different forms of energy and just the way our nature changes seasons these goddesses have their own blooming their own way of connecting with you and they are trying to teach you that just live the seasons in your life you there will be sunshine today and darkness tomorrow morning and there could be rain you know day after tomorrow but live every every season that's coming to you and i had a tough time connecting with kali in the beginning uh, i thought she's a goddess who am i this this young kid trying to just experience a certain energy and my father at that time told me you have to build a relationship with her you cannot uh, experience her complete energy by seeing her as this goddess uh, where there's too much gap between you and her you need to reduce the gap and to make it happen you have to cultivate a relationship with her and he asked me what's that one relationship in your life right now where you could be just anything, you know, weird or make mistakes and still you are fully accepted by them. And I said, you know, that's my relationship with my grandma and my mother. And he said, exactly. So cultivate this motherly relationship with her and you'll be, always be unconditionally accepted. And, uh, you know, meditating on her brought me 
so much courage so much confidence and my relationship with women significantly changed after i started to meditate on these divine feminine especially goddess kali so i uh, she's part of my daily meditations uh, there hasn't been a single day um, since i don't know more than 20 years that i have not meditated on her uh, so yeah this one is for goddess kali <laughs> mm, wow and i will admit that goddess kali she is an energy that i have I have summoned, I've done certain um, like weekend intensives and my teachers always bring her energy in. So we basically act out like this passionate warrior energy. But nice. even with that said, I never knew that she was also a very mothering energy. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I mean, all the tantric masters uh, or even the devotees of Kali don't call her Kali. They call her mom, you know, means mom or mother. My father has never used any other word for her except ma which is just mother. Yeah, so th that's how all, all the traditional teachers address her just as the mother. And trust me, when you shift the relationship with these energies, they also shift that relationship with you. So it changes a lot, yeah. What does it mean to meditate on her? It means to uh, receive her strength, her energy, her wisdom. Um, and when you start to meditate on a deity, it could be Kali or some other goddess or, or god, you start to you know, become part of their consciousness. You start to become part of their energy. So if a certain deity uh, has you know certain characteristics, let's say Kali has energy of a, a, a strong uh, divine a uh, graceful warrior you'll start to have those qualities in you when you start to meditate on them uh, there's monkey god in india you know they, they call it monkey god it's his name is hanuman mm -hmm. so he's extremely physically very strong energy and very powerful very loyal so a lot of men especially in their young age they are advised to meditate on hanuman so that they can become physically strong and mentally strong and have the qualities of Hanuman in them. Uh, so you really start to cultivate those energies within. And I clearly saw the shift in me, Madeline, when I started to meditate on, on Goddess Kali. My relationship shifted with the feminine in me and my masculine self became more secure, more strong. And my relationship with the feminine around me changed. My courage shifted. My sense of being a rebel shifted. Uh, I stopped reacting or getting angry for just anything and everything because I wanted to feel strong. I st you know, started standing uh, for things that were truly wrong out there and I wanted to have a voice. I wanted to express my truth there. So I, all the courage I have now, I give credit to the meditations on, on Goddess Kali. Oh man, I am so in love with this. I have this book, I forget the name, it's like, oh, it's a stone's throw away from me, but it's all about the, the goddesses and so I'm going to be doing some more reading on, on Kali mm -hmm. just so that I can I can meditate on her as well. I want to do this in my PM meditation today because I'm just yeah. so excited. <laughs> yeah, and I encourage you and everyone listening, when you start to meditate on uh, on Kali or, or such deities, if you have any questions, any experiences, do share with me because... Uh, every feedback is so powerful. Maybe you know you are you are meant to meditate on Kali, or maybe your deity is someone else. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's also a process to determine on whom you should meditate. Uh, so for some people, it's Kali. For some, it's Shiva or Ganesha or or someone else. You know, uh, but. I personally feel for you, Madeline. I think you'll you'll connect with her fierceness so well. <laughs> Thank you. When I did my first um, Kali embodiment at this intensive that I was at, right. I it was probably one of the. It's so interesting. So in the in the first day, it was my my first time to meet this group who I've now been uh, in a embodied relationship along with them for eight months. So we've really uh -huh. gotten to get to know each other. But this was the first weekend, and this one guy. We were all calling out what we wanted to see more of in the person in front of us. My mm. turn to stand up came. I stood up and this guy was like, I want to feel your collie. It was the first thing wow. I had eight <laughs> months ago. I really didn't know much about any of of the deities and these energies. So I was kind of like, ah. like, I just like breathed this very like light breath that was supposed to be my version of embodied uh 
passionate rage and they were right. like um like a lot more please <laughs> and it was so hard for me and the next day we did it again but it was like a whole hour centered on that energy and I just let it rage and and like love it was connected to the heart in a in a love rage and mm-hmm. so powerful and in the next intensive we did it again so powerful and our third intensive is actually starting tomorrow um, oh, wow. Amazing. so I'm interested yeah and I know Kali's gonna come up and I'm excited because there is something that has unlocked within me that has never been touched before because that was not appropriate for me Beautiful. to embody growing up wow. so hearing you say that that you feel that that would be um really special for me it thank mm. you for for saying that you see that absolutely it's it's there it's so visible yeah yeah that's great <laughs> um wow okay so we're coming up here and i've got a divine deep dive round for us but before we do those quick fire questions where can people connect with you online uh, people can connect with me through my website cbmeditates.com or my Instagram cbmeditates or Facebook. Uh, I, I have I've been doing live videos on Facebook for you know since the day it started, uh, and I do share a lot of stuff on the videos. And then Instagram is there where I'm becoming more and more active now compared to Facebook. So I would say uh, on social media, join me on on uh, Instagram. That's probably where people reach out to me the most and obviously website is you know more of an informative thing where you want to know more about my work perfect and i will have all those links on the show notes for this episode Mm -hmm. okay quick fire round time (laughs) number one what do you want to be praised for more than anything uh my awareness what is one must read book besides your book of course Oh goodness, I I really don't have a favorite book. Honestly, I have read many books, uh, but my relationship with books have been. I mean, I keep buying books. I I want to have a favorite book, but I love poetry books. So I would say uh, the Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Uh, I would put that as as the book that I would want people to read. It's He's spelled as Gibran, G-I-B-R-A-N. His book, The Prophet, was very powerful for me. Oh, that's another thing we have in common because I love love your writing. Um, You're obviously a very beautiful poet and I love love poetry. I was, um, I studied poetry in college for a bit of time. Oh, really? Wow. It's amazing. Okay. Um, mm -mm, If you could live anywhere in the world besides where you currently live, where would it be? Uh, anytime in Himalayas. I've, I've been craving to be in Himalayas. I mean, I, I was there four times this year, but I really want to do something which puts me there for maximum time of the year. Well, if you ever do a retreat there, count me in. I That's what I was doing. I did four retreats there. Oh. This year. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I, I need I, to know about the next one then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. What is your favorite meal right now? Uh, you know, as a vegan, I, I don't have the luxury of having 100 options, but anything that's vegan, I, Indian vegan is super delicious. So, yeah, anytime I'm in India, I, I indulge in all the tr- traditional Indian food. So I would say uh, Indian cuisine, uh, which is vegan. That's my favorite. Yeah. If you had a movie about your life, who would you cast to play you? Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, Tom Hanks. I mean, that's what that's what's coming to my mind because he he could be any character. But uh, but I want Tom Hanks when he was twenty five year old, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and he, he could he could just you know live the experiences that I lived. That would be wonderful. Oh, I love I love it. I love that answer. It's so great. <laughs> um, huge Tom Hanks fan too. He's oh, really? wonderful. Oh yeah, he's so, so yeah. wonderful. Um, okay, I'll pick two more questions. What is your biggest, quote, guilty pleasure? Oh, sweets. Uh, I love a good bakery. Um, And, you know, LA has this thing called boba tea. I don't know if if you ever tried it. I have. uh, You have. And, you know, it used to be three miles away from my place. So it was good. I had to drive and I would get lazy and wouldn't buy it. 
but now they opened a store half mile away from my place and i walk every day and i literally indulge in it every other day so uh that's something i need to meditate on or maybe not maybe i, I should keep keep drinking it <laughs> actually please keep drinking it because that real i mean that inspired something and opened something within me hearing that you allow yourself and encourage yourself to have something and indulge in something you love every day. Life is so short. I mean, yeah, yeah really. exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Madeline. I, I so needed this validation. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, because that was just like, I really felt so good when I heard you say that. And I was like, wow, okay, what, what am I going to do today now that I want to indulge in? And then every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, very last question. Where are we most likely to find you on a Saturday morning? Um being uh probably on my couch uh just being super lazy drinking green tea and uh, listening to good music i love it perfect yeah. saturday yeah that's i i love just being in nothingness yeah mm -hmm. i'm not a very outgoing person i'm very introvert so i i love being in my own inner world chandresh thank you so much for coming on to the mind body musings podcast today i I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I am so inspired by you and your words and this conversation. This is why I podcast. This is this reminds me why I do this and why I'm so fortunate and blessed to have a platform to be able to speak to people who really inspire me. And I know this conversation in itself is going to open up all these different things within my life mm -hmm. and inspire me continuously for the next long while. So thank you for coming oh. on. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for being you. Everyone, if you are not convinced that you must pick up this book, Break the Norms, well, I'm just going to say go head on over to the show notes for this episode. Click on the link and just click by now because it is amazing. And be sure to follow Chandresh on Instagram and watch his Facebook lives and soak up all this juicy, juicy knowledge. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode and I will see you ladies and gents next week. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.